Yo, what up? Technician clocking in. Your boy Big Mark is back, a.k.m. Bar Savage. I know it's been a little while and I haven't been um, uploading as frequently as, you know, I said before. It'd be multiple times per week, but I'm really not going to go back to that for a while. Um, I'll still be making these. Just uh, life's busier. Um, I started a prep. And um, so please bear with me. And uh, if you ever, you know, just have a question, just you know, reach out. I'm always here to help. Everyone, um, not just the people I work with individually. So today, we're, um, the podcast is called More Than One Way to Skin the Cat, which if you know, it's an older phrase from back in the day. I mean, there's multiple ways to achieve the same goal. Now, just because there are multiple ways to achieve the same goal, we still have to be careful because while this may be true, there are definitely multiple ways to botch things up a little. There's never going to be a perfect training style, dieting style, supplementation routines because um, everyone's different starting with lifestyle factors. What your life consists of on a daily basis is huge and needs to be considered when putting together your plan. For example, if you're someone who's working a very extensive labor job daily versus you know just being a student at university, uh, your training in cardiovascular routine needs to account for that. Managing stress matters uh, cortisol is our body's stress hormone, but um, along with that, cortisol also has functions helping maintain blood pressure, along with anti-inflammatory properties, and it can also stimulate glucogenesis in the liver, um, allowing us to produce glucose from proteins, which is not optimal, but if we need it at the time, we can use it. But our body's main preference is obviously going to be from carbohydrates in the bloodstream. Um, you know, if we have too much production... Uh, cortisol production, we begin to feel like exhausted, but you, you're going to feel wired still. You're more in like a neurotic and anxious state. Um, now, if we uh, have a very flat graph and we're not producing little to nothing at all, which, you know, we can only really confirm this through a Dutch test. Um, you're going to just feel lethargic and tired all the time. So, you know, Either too much production or too little production is really bad for your body, and they cortisol issues can occur either way. So, knowing the difference between those symptoms um, can help you decide about how you want to go about trying to get yourself back to feeling great. Um, which um, this is why you need to be careful with, tr like I said, with training and cardio and excessive dieting, um, along with like a, daily activities, other factors such as mental stressors. Supplementation stressors in the form of recreational drugs, um, performance-enhancing supplements, um, even even the types that are not anabolic steroids, substances such as SARMs, um, certain fat burners, and you know there's other little pro hormones that you can legally buy online. Um, all these certain substances can still have impacts on your adrenal and thyroid functions, so please do not take something blindly just because someone told you to do it. You should know some information about before being willing to put something in your body. You don't have to be the expert or know a lot, but you should know some baseline about it and or else you're just rolling the dice. Um, and certain substances and certain doses can affect two people completely differently. So always err on the caution side first. So now that we understand why considering who you are as a person is important and why we need to have a be careful with making sure our cortisol is stable and at a nice, medium, happy level. I'm going to start with training. <clears throat> There's no perfect frequency to grow a muscle. You can hit a muscle group once a week and it will grow. Just like how growing it 
training in twice or more times per week is going to grow it as well. Now, I don't personally recommend most people train a muscle group once per week. Um, however, if you set, set it up properly and hit it hard as fuck, it will grow. Now, we can definitely grow muscle better by fo- focusing on it more often and training it more often. But this needs to be accounted for carefully because what happens with a lot of folks here is that we can easily p- plop on excessive amount of, amounts of volume across the board, um, across the board as in our entire body. And what happens is we just simply become overtaxed by trying to quote unquote focus on everything. You're better off with a more balanced routine because in reality, most people who you know look at themselves in the mirror and believe they have certain lagging parts are more likely not just overall lagging muscularity across the board. And once they size up a chunk, their lagging parts can switch or go away to a different part um, based off how their training split in, was set up during that time, along with their ge- genetic um, dispositions and makeup as well. So once you've reached a more advanced state, which I would consider, you know, five plus years of consistent training, you're still getting stronger, but it's not nearly as quick as before. That's a good point, And then you'll be able to see what your real weaknesses are. But it's pretty silly to focus on weak points that you can't really truly consider weak points yet. Rather, just more immature muscle would be a good way to label that, in my opinion. Also, we have people who swear by the gospel about no rest days until you desperately need them. And on the other side of the coin, multiple rest days per week are included. My thoughts on this are honestly on the other side of the coin because you should be including rest days every week regardless of your training split or style, and regardless of how you feel. Because feeling good does not automatically mean your body is primed to recover after that session. That could be the tipping point, that one session that messes up your cortisol balance. And sometimes we can't really tell the difference after, um, after between just feeling tired randomly that day, or if you know excess training might have played a role at that point. Which, the longer you play this little juggling game back and forth, Eventually, you're going to get burned and feel like shit, um, even if you think you can get away without resting. Um, and on top of that, even if you, you know, think you're okay, but you notice you have certain things going on, like sleep quality is off, your digestion is weird, you feel lethargic easily in the week, and you're, you're just not recovering properly. Even if you're making some progress still in these suboptimal conditions and those, and those uh, symptoms, you can make better progress by just doing less. This doesn't mean you have to only lift two to three times a week, but scaling it back to four to five and instead of nothing will give your body multiple rest days per week, regardless of how your training split is, and you will grow better. Um, dieting and nutrition are the same deal. There are no magical foods. If you're worried about protein bioavailability, bioavailability in animal sources, for example, comparing beef, chicken, and fish, you are completely overthinking it. This is because animal sources are extremely bioavailable regardless in our body and their complete amino acid profiles. So they are going to get digested very well because technically speaking, fish has lower bioavailability than beef and chicken, but I promise you fish is digesting just fine. And another fish myth while we're at it, um, the thin skin tilapia myth that if you're eating white fish, it's going to thin out your skin and make you look more shredded. And that's just not fucking true. Now, if you're relying on vegetarian sources of protein, 
you can still be fine. There's more than one way to skin the cat. You're just going to have to be very careful with how you plan it because vegetarian sources are incomplete. So it needs to be methodically planned out and combined to make complete amino acid profiles at your meals. There's multiple ways to achieve hitting your protein goal. Carbohydrates work in the same way. Just because something has a higher GI, which is a glycemic index, indicating how quickly you can use it in the bloodstream, doesn't mean it's going to mess with your pancreas' ability to produce insulin. The whole original argument behind this here from the other side is that any spikes in insulin are really bad for you. But even eating low GI foods you know, throughout the day at a higher amount of carbohydrates, you know, if you're eating excess amounts of carbs that your body didn't need but they were all low GI, that's going to spike your insulin. But even regardless, you, you're going to need insulin spike to shuttle nutrients into the muscle after, you know, around that workout and post-workout period. So, you know, insulin issues are more from overproduction in the long run from just too much excessive carbohydrates, like I said, rather than it is about the source and the, the GI of that specific carbohydrate. You know, in fact, for individuals who are larger bodybuilders, for example, who are going to need huge amounts of carbohydrates, there's an absolute fine threshold with high amounts of food volume and fiber that once you just overcross it, your just digestion is going to get thrown off and it slows down, which unfortunately um, is going to help your body store fat easier. Now, someone who has diabetes or older folks who aren't going to be eating anything that has super high GI or obviously staying away for their medical conditions and, and atmosphere, but due to the general pop, a general population, um, you know, it's not going to be that big of a deal if you're having higher glycemic carbs. Um, if you're training in the, in the morning, for example, um, you're going to want to eat most of your carbohydrates earlier in the day and vice versa. Fat source timing will only play a significant role once you have very high amounts above 100 plus grams. And then you're going to want to keep that away um, from your carbohydrates um, just to help digest and move stable. Uh, you know, personally, for myself, I was around 4,400 calories um, December 2021, 4,200 to 4,400. And I did move my fats away um, from my morning workout period when I would have high amounts of carbs. So I wouldn't walk into the gym and, you know, feel it digesting still, um, which can negatively affect your performance if you're not digesting it. And at worst, you can even yak that shit up, bro. Um, closing thoughts here is I just want you to leave you with the fact that there are great multiple ways to set up training, diet, and supplements, and so forth. But there's tons of information overload running rampant, especially with the high rise of TikTokers in the game and the lack of in-depth research from these certain influencers and, and analysis. And you have to be very careful with who you're pulling your information from. Your sources and people should be very open to questions and debate and should be able to reference real support and data behind their suggestions rather than simply using their physique as credibility. Just because someone is jacked does not mean they are healthy internally or really going about their bodybuilding process in a way that's actually efficient for their goals, even, even though they're impressive. There are people who have been doing the same style and setup in their training for a while and it's usually the same people who are complaining about certain issues and certain body parts and whatnot. So doesn't, doesn't that just seem like insanity, you know? So that's all I have for today. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any other suggestions or questions or anything, just, you know, where to reach me. Technician clocking out. Peace.